Amen. I invite you to remain standing for our reading of Scripture today, which comes to us out of Genesis chapter 1. We read verses 26 through 31. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth. Every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, And to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as words proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Amen. Today we conclude a series we've been on the last few weeks called Hot Topics. And uh, we're going to end on a doozy today. Um, it's a, uh, a question that is also a, a statement that we use. And um, I encourage and invite you intently, emotionally, whatever the case may be, to listen with open ears and open minds today particularly from the perspective of someone unfamiliar with our faith. Listen today particularly through the ears of someone who is unfamiliar with grace and perhaps doesn't have an idea of how our God works. So we all have have sayings that we grew up hearing, that we grew up using. Some of these become staples in our lives as we continue to grow up and get older. And uh, uh, we often repeat these to others. We often have them as a a use of of comfort and assurance and uplifting for our souls and and our spirits. And I'm no exception to that. Um, This is common for households who are raised spiritually, who are raised in the church, who are raised with faith. And I have heard and echoed this saying many, many times. And it has brought me comfort. And perhaps for you today, everything happens for a reason is a comforting thing for you. But it's important to examine this question, this statement, because while it has elements of truth, it is, at best, only half true. For people without the benefit of a background to understand how to take this statement, it can actually have the opposite effect of the way it is intended to have. And by using this statement the wrong way, we can unintentionally bring hurt, 
we can unintentionally lead people to conclusions about God that are untrue, and we can unintentionally actually push people away from God, away from church, when we're trying to draw them closer. Many of us have modeled uh, a lot in our lives around this statement, around the question, around the idea of things happening for a reason. And when we use it as a response to cause and effect, then it is absolutely true. However, it is often, most often, used as a response to death and tragedy. When bad news drops, the first response, the first thought, even for many, is, well, everything happens for a reason. Well, it was meant to be. Well, it was his time. Or it was her time. It was God's will. Listening from the perspective, again, of the non-church, what we are essentially saying, or better yet, what they're hearing, when we use this phrase in a way, whether we are meaning to or not, what we are, are essentially saying is that, that God has a particular purpose for bringing about or allowing situations in which people suffer. While we may not understand at the time that, that all events unfold according to a predetermined script planned out by God all along. Whether we mean to or not, perhaps, oftentimes, this is what people are hearing when we use those phrases. And you can see how this would create some issues for people. For starters, this statement, by its very nature, implies that we are not responsible for our own actions. Because the end result is already predetermined anyway. If we take the statement at, at, at face value, then everything that happens is is happening according to God's predetermined plan and that whatever I do, regardless of why I do, is going to happen anyway. So to extend this logic, then whatever happens was necessary and, and needed in order to happen, in order for God's plan to be fulfilled. So, so if I drink and drive and strike and, and, and kill an innocent teenage driver then it's not my fault. It was going to happen anyway. Or, or it may have just been the victim's time. Or, or if someone shoots up a mall or shoots up a school, then, then there must have been a reason within God's will, right? Yes, yes, yes. It was a terrible situation and action, but it, it wasn't evil that made them do it. Instead, God used this to, or is using this to, to accomplish some greater purposes. Therefore, I cannot be held re responsible for my actions. I was only doing what God willed me to do. You see any problems with that? Take your head, yes. What you'll notice today is that one issue with this statement compounds into the next one. And so that can lead to the issue with the next idea that everything happens for a reason. 
in which is that God is ultimately the one responsible for everyone's actions. That, that tragedies don't happen in spite of God's will, but because of it. That, that since God is in charge of everything, then, then whatever happens, whether it be a death, whatever it be a disaster, it all reflects the will and the purpose of God. This logic opens up a whole other can of worms. Do you see the compounding effect here? It opens up another can of worms whenever it starts being used beyond these things and we start using them for, for seemingly silly things like, like sporting events or, or elections or whatever the case may be. Then, then it can really get troubling because whether we intend to or not, it sparks questions for people like this. Does God really will the deaths of innocent children during school shootings? Did God really want my house, my town, my friend's house, my livelihood to be destroyed in that hurricane? Was it God that planted the idea into the minds of those terrorists who flew build, uh, airplanes into buildings that killed thousands, that leave, leaving grieving loved ones behind? Because it was all some part of a greater plan? If this way of thinking is true, sisters and brothers, then, then every rape, every murder, every act of child abuse, every war, every storm, every earthquake that claims people's lives, every child that dies of starvation or violence are all part of God's plan. And then this can lead to the next compounding issue with the logic behind this thinking, and that is since everything that happens is according to God's will and God's plan anyway, it's going to happen regardless of what I do, so why bother doing anything? We have a term for this. It's called fatalism. Everybody say fatalism. Are you familiar with that term? Fatalism is uh, when we feel we are powerless to change anything, so we don't attempt to change anything at all. If this were the case, then why wear a seatbelt? If something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen whether I have my seatbelt on or not. Why evacuate the storm? Why have safety measures in schools and public places? Why improve airline safety and security? Why should I even bother voting in the next election? Why should I even eat healthy or exercise? Why should I see a doctor? To do so would be to resist God's will, right? I know. A lot of people, a lot of you are thinking this. Well, I use that phrase, but that's not what I meant by it. That's not what I mean by it. Or perhaps you're sitting and thinking, Pastor, you're blowing this thing all out of proportion. Am I wrong? Let me ask you a question. Am I really? If you don't have a foundation to understand what it means in the first place. Am I really? For us who are familiar with faith, then this may sound a bit outrageous, what I'm saying today. 
But to those who have never experienced grace, then this is only the tip of the iceberg. The idea goes way deeper than we can see. This can spark deep and abiding questions and thoughts and issues with folks who are not familiar with grace. Things such as, is this how God really works? Some people choose not to believe in God because of these ideas, while, while others are driven away from God because of anger, because of emotions. The number one reason given that people are not coming to church or, who, or the number one reason given for those who once believed in God but no longer is because of their issues with pain and suffering in the world. So, what am I supposed to believe then? Okay, pastor, if you're not blowing it out of proportion, then tell me what is it I'm supposed to do with this. What is the truth side of the statement? There's a meme that I saw floating around the internet not long ago that, that goes something like this. It says, and I'm quoting it, it says, everything happens for a reason. But sometimes the reason is that you're stupid and you make bad decisions. <laughs> I'll take an amen for that. <laughs> you know, while, for, while we giggle and laugh and, and, and you know, it, it's harsh on one side and it's definitely humorous on another, it contains a fact that is definitely supported by our passage in verse 28 of the Scripture this morning. God creates the cosmos. God creates the laws that are set in motion in our world. God creates the way in which our universe operates and then gives humanity dominion over it. Everybody say dominion. That also means authority. In other words... God has put people in charge of what happens on earth. Do you realize how much of our Christian theology is based on the idea of humanity having dominion over the earth? We, we have another name for dominion or authority over the earth. It's a little bit friendlier to use. We also call it one of the greatest gifts we've ever been given by God, and that is the gift of free will. Free will. By using this gift, God has put the theoretical ball of decision-making in our courts. God does not micromanage our decisions and God does not micromanage occurrences in this world. Rather, God is more like a parent who invites God's children to make their own choices. But in a way that is loving, and as often our parents do, also in a way that woos us towards a particular choice or path that is the right choice or path. And when we don't choose that path, 
Guess who it's on? Not God's. Ours. It is on us. Therefore, whatever happens in this world is not on God. It's on us. We can't excuse a poor choice by saying it was always part of God's will. The reason things happen is not because God willed them, but because of the decisions that we make, because of the laws and creative processes that God created that governs nature and our interactions with them and with one another. Yes, it makes a difference in the way that you articulate it. Did God create the processes and delicate balances and creativeness of this world? Yes. But God created those for a reason. Because our world is delicate. Our world requires those delicate balances to work properly. So the way we think about it matters. We have been given the gift of dominion or the gift of free will. And sometimes we use that gift to make good and moral decisions, and sometimes we use that gift to make bad and immoral decisions. Folks, this is where I am on it. Maybe you're the same way, I don't know. This is up to you for your own interpretation today. But I refuse to believe in a God that dictates, dictates our choices and causes bad things to happen. I refuse to believe in a God that causes bad things to happen. Because when we start every service, we say God is good. And how often? All the time. Only good comes from our God. If we really believe that statement, then we cannot believe that God dictates bad things to happen in this world. And say amen. amen. God certainly does not give God's children cancer. God does not cause people to commit murder. God doesn't will someone to die in a car accident or for a storm to destroy my house. God doesn't plan for a loved one to die at a certain time because of a greater plan that he wants to use in my life. God does not work that way. But, we, but what God does do is God gives us a brain, God gives us a heart, and most importantly, God gave us Jesus Christ. God gives us a conscience. God gives us the Holy Spirit once Jesus ascended. God gives us the scriptures by which to learn and to interpret. And God gives us the ability to interpret these things as guides to help us choose the right path. Am I a little passionate about this, this topic, y'all? <laughs> when we choose the right path, while God doesn't cause all of these bad things to happen, God is the one that can carry us through it. And God is the one that can cause good to come from it. That is the good news. 
while on his way to stand trial in Rome, even in chains and in incarceration and while being arrested, Paul wrote to the people in Rome and declared something that I have shared with you multiple times that has been what has carried me through all of the dark and the light times of my life. In Romans, perhaps you are also familiar with the verse out of chapter 8, verse 28. And I think I only shared this a couple weeks ago, but it's still pertinent. <laughs> and that scripture says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to God's purpose. Hear what this passage does not say. It does not say that everything happens for a reason or that it doesn't also say that whatever happens was part of God's will and God's plan. But what it does do, it says that no matter what happens, no matter how bad it may be, God will, because this is who our God is, this is the characteristics of our God, God will bring good out of the situation for those who love Him. That's what it says. God can and God always will force evil to accomplish good when we entrust our lives to God's purpose. When we choose the path that God woos us towards, God will always be there to guide us. Does God ever promise that bad things won't happen in this life? Never. But does God promise to always work for good on the behalf of those who love Him? Absolutely. Absolutely. As Christians, we acknowledge that sometimes bad things will happen. And if you've been around at all, I know every single person in this room can testify. If it can happen, it will. It's part of life. It's part of this magnificent creation that we call earth. But those Bad things don't have to have the final say in our lives. Those bad things don't have to be the things that define us. They are simply part of our journey. And we need to be reminded sometimes that that journey concludes with eternal life. If Jesus' crucifixion teaches us anything, it's that in order for resurrection to occur, death has to come first. The good news, death is never the end of this story. For in Jesus' resurrection, we have assurance that death is defeated and has been swallowed up in victory for all eternity. We may still experience it in this lifetime and in this world, but there is eternal life waiting on the other end because God is good and God has provided a way for us to overcome the things of this world. 
if you heard nothing today, hear this. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. But I do believe that sometimes there is a reason that things happen. Did you catch that? I don't always believe that things happen for a reason, but I do always believe that there are reasons that things happen. Regardless of what those things are, even when we cannot see it, even when we can't fathom it, even when we don't have the capacity to understand how, why, who, or what, when we turn it over to God, good things will happen. Good things will come from it. Reverend Adam Hamilton has a quote that sums all this up, and I want you to, I want you to hear it today because I think it really sums up this message. He says, Suffering is not God's desire for us, but it occurs in a process of life. Suffering is not given to teach us something, but through it we may learn. Suffering is not given to punish us, but sometimes it is the consequence of our sin or poor judgment. Suffering does not occur because our faith is weak. But through it, our faith may be strengthened. God does not depend on human suffering to achieve His purposes. But sometimes through suffering, His purposes are achieved. Suffering can either destroy us or it can add meaning to our life. What has brought meaning to your life because of what you've gone through to this point? And how can you turn it over to God for God to work God's goodness through it and despite of it? That's the ultimate message behind this question. Does everything happen for a reason? We talked about it. But while I do believe there's a reason things happen, and I always am confident that no matter what happens, God is still good, and God will always use it for my good. This is the gospel message. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.